Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, I'm here about to jump on a podcast with Jeremy Duggar. But first, I found this morning one of these hot off the presses, Ultra Fantasy Ruby Red. So let's crack that first and do a live I don't know that I've ever reviewed a drink first on a podcast, but this is it. <laughs> so very white monsterish, but a little a little fruitier than a white monster. This would be how do I put that? This would be like the shed crazy version of a white monster, a little fruitier, right? <laughs> I still give it an eight one because shed crazy is about an eight one, but not better than a white monster. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no you idea had, what you were talking about. You had no idea that was coming. No. Well, I just, I, I didn't understand. It was like a foreign language to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never drank a monster. Really? Not once. Take a sip. I'll do it afterward. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to Save get me too, some. too tuned up? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We're, we're up and rolling though. I'm just going to keep it rolling here, Duggar. Um, okay. So we're at the, we're at the Western Hunt Expo. Uh, honestly, one of my favorite places of the year because of moments like this, honestly, the, the products and the companies, like, I don't want to say that I'm over that aspect of it, but I just, I've been around it so long. You know, I, I love when, when companies innovate something and like, oh, Hey, check out, you know, what new packs or, you know, new boots or something, but really like it's, it's, it's 99% the people it's a, it's a family reunion. Right. And Absolutely. It's, it's, I love yeah. it. I love coming here, seeing you guys, seeing, you know, do Mark seminar, you know, come around to these, the Gulo booth where we're recording. Right. And they, yep. um, actually speaking of Gulo, um, no, the, uh, the card there on the top, the blue one. Yep. Right there. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, Gulo's letting us sit here. Good. Uh, the Warner brothers, good dudes. Right. Yeah. Uh, take up their booth space while we record. And it just, that's the point, right? Is it's this, this is the best people ever at this show. Like, Absolutely. I, I love it. You know, yep. for all the, for all the crap that we deal with in the hunting industry, this is one of the good moments of it, you know, sure. love it or hate it. It's, it's got goodness to it. Um, yeah. Gulo, these guys have these, uh, stocking shoes. Have you used these? Are you, uh, <laughs> Duggar- funny, funny story. It's been a while since I bow hunted. Yeah, Ducker doesn't actually uh, bow hunt. I, I own an archery shop, but I I'm I'm in the archery shop helping everybody else during the season. Yeah, and so I just I can't be away from my shop during those seasons, and so no, I've not used them. I told my I was talking to my wife this morning. I said I'm doing a podcast with Duggar, and he owns an archery shop, so he's got a bunch of archery statistics we're going to go over. She's like, oh, so he's a bow hunter, and I said, no, used to be. <laughs> yeah. Hey, used to be yeah, my brother. Yeah, my brother worked in the shop when he worked in the shop. Yeah. We had two of us. And so yeah, I'd, but, we, I'd go and then come back and he'd go and come back. And so yeah. <clears throat> I've bow hunted a lot in my life, a right. lot, but not, not recently. Yeah. If I drew a bow tag, I would have a pair of gulos on right, for sure right. for my stocks. Yep. Uh, 
yeah, I love these guys. Killers, too. I mean, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, these guys are cold-blooded killers. Yep. So they, real quick, they gave me, Gulo gave me a, a code that you guys can use just for letting us be in their booth here. Uh, WHE for Western Hunt Expo 2024. And uh, that's specific to this and us on, on this podcast. So uh, 15% off now through April 30th. So cool. I thought that was nice of them. Like exclusive for exclusive for the the <clears throat> finding backcountry slash hunting <laughs> podcast. I like it, uh, Duggar. Let's let's jump into it, man. So we kind of touched on a little bit there. Um, you know, you and I, we've been on a few podcasts together, and and it's usually you know how do we kill a big mule deer, and you know where do big where do you find them, and how do you find so many big ones, and all the sure thing questions that everybody wants, but. Um, this one I thought was unique because you you got Mark actually got really excited for you, and he he let me know ahead of time and he said, "Hey, just a heads up, like Duggar's gonna want to podcast with you because he's got he's got some information that he's he he won't shut up about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> he's so excited I'm, about I'm, it. I'm ready to unleash it on the world. Yeah, yeah. And so give give a let let me. You're going to get the floor here in two seconds. And everyone who doesn't know Jeremy Duggar, shame on you for not listening to our other podcasts because, frankly, they're some of my most listened episodes. Um, but, you know, we, I just want to preface this exact conversation by saying, you know, there's no doubt that there's the hunting industry has bigger fish to fry, so to speak. There, there are some serious issues going on. We've, we've heard already at this expo and we've heard all over social media, the, you know, wolf reintroduction and shutting down, uh, banning mountain, mountain lion hunting in Colorado. And we need to become members of how.org and we need to become members of CRWM and we need to be members of, you know, MDF and SFW and whatever else you can think of to believe in, uh, to help us do this. But and so I don't want to take away from that because, you know, there, there's also a perception in the industry that these type of conversations only can divide or, or cause, you know, contention or whatever. Right. And I completely disagree. I think that as soon as we have that mentality, we've thrown our hands up and it's almost as if we're saying, hey, we're going to draw a line and we're not going to go there. Right. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think that we can always like i said earlier we can always circle our wagons in our in our hunting industry family so to speak and we can have a family council at any moment about what's going on internally and then the next morning we put our boots back on and we go to work fighting the good fight, fight the enemy fighting the enemy right so yep. that's all i want to preface with Duggar, i'm going to yep. let you jump in and i'll i'm going to i'm going to let you kind of run with it and i'm going to ask my questions as as you present the data and yep. stuff like sounds, that sounds good and i, I appreciate that preface because i agree wholeheartedly with what you said there so i i own an archery shop that's my number one source of income and my my lifelong job and passion um, and i did bow hunt a lot in my earlier years when i had my brother there working with me and we could both get away um, lately i've had to man the shop almost exclusively by myself so i've not bow hunted as much but um, the, the, the bird that's been under my saddle for a long, long time is having to deal with, um, people, everybody blaming the stuff that they're using, <laughs> whether it be an arrow or a broadhead or a bow or whatever. Like it, it always seems to be that if the individual fails, it's not the individual, never but their it's, fault. it's yeah. never their fault. It's always the stuff. And I, and I sit behind the counter and listen to that. And, and what's, what's interesting 
is is only I would know this, but you know, someone could say this one person can say this broadhead failed and it's no good, and the next ten guys that come in love it. Just for a parallel, this is the exact replica of what I deal with at work with bullets. Yep. As soon as the one animal that you shot didn't die, it's always the bullet's fault. It's never your ability to call wind or your shot placement in general or anything like that. It's always the correct. Bullet. It's always the bullet. So there you go. Yeah. I've, I've often been uh, known to say and heard to say that I'm going to, I would like to ask for an impossibility. This is impossible, but I like for one year for every bow hunter in the West to have to use the same bow, the same <laughs> arrow and the same broadhead so that we could sort out the guys that are good at it and don't make excuses. And we could weed out the people that are always going to blame that stuff. I know that sounds harsh, but it's the truth, right? I think that that would be a quick way to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> but so, so what I've been doing, um, owning the archer shop for 32 years, I've thought about this a lot. So five years ago, I decided to start to collect data and I tried to do it as anonymously as possible. Well, it was, well, it's a hundred percent anonymous, but I wanted to extract the data as cleanly as possible without and them pure, knowing without that them knowing this was a study or whatever. You yeah. got it. Yep. Yeah. So what would happen is they'd come in and they would start to tell me their hunting story, whether it was successful or not. Cause you're, I mean, you're as a pro I were, I've worked a pro shop, right? I managed mm -hmm. one, uh, archery shop. You're, you're the local watering hole guys love. In fact, they look forward to going into their pro shop before or after, especially and like, let me tell you my bow hunting Absolutely. experience, right? So Absolutely. This isn't just, I just want to highlight that this isn't just, you know, you grabbing three of your buddies, you know, at the local church thing and being like, so what, you know, this is like a pile of people that are coming. You got it. To the shop. Yeah. I got my customer base over 32 years is thousands of people. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, over five years, I've collected several hundred samples. I don't know what that number exactly is. I didn't count it, but it's a lot, a lot. It's yeah. not a thousand, but it's several hundred not 20 yeah so it took me a couple of weeks to to extract all the data that i kind of was looking for out of those sample sets so when a customer would come in and start to tell me the story i would just ask the questions to to extract the data that i was after so a guy would come in and say hey yeah, i killed an elk thank you so much for setting me up selling me my bow i'm like awesome man tell me about it yeah so anyway i'm over here you know and the elk was coming in how far was it i was like 32 yards cool metal note right yeah there. middle note right yep. there all right, cool. Um, do you remember when I said your bow pound, John? Yeah, you remember you said it on 67 pounds. Yeah, cool. Okay, right on. Well, tell me. Yeah, so so mental check, right? Mental note. So, so here he comes, you know, the elk's coming in, and I got ready to shoot him, you know, and I stopped him with my cow call and drew back and shot him. Awesome, man. Did it go very far? No, it didn't go far. How far was your shot? You know, it was like 44 yards, mental note. Yep. Um, so you see where I'm going with this. Yep. Um, as I'm explaining, I'm not going to remember, but, but, I, but I'm remembering all those data points that I want to get. He walks out of the shop and never knew that I collected that data. So I, I didn't want to give anybody a chance to embellish, lie, change the story like hunters do, right? We're famous for that. I'm sure everybody knows that. So then I would just write that down. So what I was after was whether it was a fixed or mechanical head, not brand specific at all, just a fixed or a mechanical. I was after the bow poundage. I was after the arrow, overall arrow weight shot distance and whether it was a wound or a kill and that's all i was after and uh so and, and unfortunately there was a few people that came in that are you know wounded a couple or whatever so i'd get all the data points for that and i'd write that down and so i i made a spreadsheet basically that i was just writing with a pin on 
And then, you know, my goal was to, within five years, which is now, start to pull data points out of that. Five years. Five years. Wow. Yeah. And so that all happened, you know, as you can imagine, October, November, December, after the September bow hunts. Mm -hmm. And then we also have some late deer hunts. And so I'd gather some throughout the year and stuff. And so um, I, I was very unbiased in my mind. I wasn't looking for anything. I just wanted to honestly see where those numbers landed. Yeah. Okay. And so I started to figure out what I wanted for, for statistic sets and just started to write that down and go through all of my stuff and pull those out. So what do you want to start with? <laughs> well, we can start with the big one if you want. Yeah. I mean, maybe even just your general perception is what, what you thought was going to happen and then, and then mm -hmm. what actually happened or may, maybe like what you yeah. thought you were going to get. Yeah, it would e be interesting, right? E easy question. So, I, I'm of the strong opinion that it's not the stuff, but it's the user of the stuff, and that comes all the way back down to to, to bow tuning, um, how you handle the pressure on the shot, um, you know, follow up tracking skills, like all these things are 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 going to matter for recovering that animal. And so I thought I was going to look at all these, all these data points and everything was going to come to the middle and it, it was going to prove that it's not the stuff. That's kind of what I was thinking was going to happen because that's the argument or the stance that I would take. Yeah. Right. But I, but I found some other interesting things as I started to pull that stuff out. So I wasn't really looking for anything except for I thought that I wanted to show the world that if you use the stuff right, it works. It, it kind of, I don't know you know, you're good friends with Robbie and they've got rock slide and they do this cold bow challenge, right? right. That they start up in May or whatever, some, sometime around there. And, um, I, I haven't done it yet. I'm going to, I'm going to participate this year, but basically if I understand it, right, you put your number down, right. And, th and this is just kind of a, another version of what I think is going to come out of this data Sure. is you put your number down and you say, okay, this is my max effective range or whatever they call it. Right. Yep. Like, like no question. I can always shoot at X yards and my, my impression of just listening to Robbie talk about it is that almost everyone is off too long. Right. And, yep. and, and that therein lies the data that we're about to get right is, um, you know, when they shoot at 79 yards and they really should only be shooting at 50 or closer, right. Or whatever yep, yep. it now becomes the, Oh, the broadhead, you know, my, you know, the mechanical took too much energy at some distance or something like that. Right. And it, and it becomes everything else's fault when in reality, it's like, no, you just needed to be in or, or you just had a complete wrong setup to begin with. And you don't know how to tune a bow. You don't understand, yes. you know, momentum of an arrow or whatever. Right. So. It, it just, if it has that feel already of like, people don't, won't be honest with themselves, but they'll look at everywhere else to point a finger at why, you know, they weren't successful. Spot on. Spot on. Yeah, yeah spot on. I think um, the decision making that happens at the moment of truth can be swayed or changed by what's in the archer's hand on the string or on the end of the arrow. And I think that that shouldn't happen. Say right? that. Say that one more so, time. So the decision making, um, the decisions you make when you're shooting at an animal, can be swayed by what kind of bow poundage you're shooting, uh, what's on the end of your arrow, how much your arrow weighs, 
what kind of broadhead you're using. In other words, I'll give you one example that the people know is going to come out of, out of my mouth. So I'm just going to get it over with. If I'm shooting 80 pounds and I'm shooting a 600 grain arrow and I'm shooting a fixed blade head, that gives me the ability to make poor decisions. In other words, if that elk's quartering to me, I'm just going to still shoot at him anyway. Right. And those poor decisions almost always result in unrecovered animals. I don't care what your bow poundage is. I don't care what your arrow weight is. Yeah. There's people in the industry that would argue and that are trying to make product that they will sell to the public that can do that. But you have to understand the public. And, and when they come in my archery shop, and I know for a fact that they haven't tuned their bow, and, they, and they're not prepared, and they bought some equipment three days prior to the season, <laughs> well, that's okay because it's a fixed blade head. My poundage is at 80, right? So I'm going to be able to shoot farther. I'm going to be able to shoot different angles, right? Yeah. I disagree with all that. I think it's more important to make the proper decisions, proper shot angle, proper execution, proper follow-up. Um, the, pr the preparation is huge, obviously, right? The, the amount of practice. Putting yourself in pressure situations, which is exactly what the cold bow challenge does. Cold bow, you go out, you shoot. Okay. Oh, that's cool. But as soon as you turn the film camera, it. as soon as you film it, as soon as you film it and you've told the world, Robbie Dinning, Rockslide, and the world, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this how many weeks in a row? Five, three it's weeks, a, five weeks. Whatever. Yeah, it's like okay. five or seven or I have, eight or whatever. I've selected 79 yards, and I'm going to show you all that I can do that so that when I get into the woods, I can make that decision. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you realize when that phone comes on that there's a pressure there that, you, that will simulate maybe the pressure yeah. that when you're shooting at that animal and stuff falls apart, yeah. which brings that inward. Like you all of a sudden have to be honest with yourself. 79 is not the yardage. Maybe 40 is or, or 50 is, or, right? So that's the decision-making I'm talking about. Yeah, or with shot. just with that example, like, frankly, it wouldn't matter if they're at 20 yards, Duggar. Like, that's, that's the real thing that I've learned is, like, if you herky-jerky, you know, punch the trigger on a shot because you can't handle the men, like, it, it doesn't matter, right? That's if right. You, if you've got target panic or if you just mentally can't overcome the stress that's about to happen, doesn't matter if you're at five feet, right? People doesn't miss matter. all the time at, mm -hmm. at super close range or whatever. So yes, it's, it's, it's a mental, <clears throat> it's a mental block that doesn't matter what distance you're at. It has nothing to do with your, or your, you could have the most perfectly tuned bow, right? Anyway, yes. it's just a, just a whole nother branch of the. It, it, it is, but that's fallen under the category of sometimes people feel like the stuff allows them to make yeah. poor decisions. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm of the, before we ever get into this data, what we do at Expert Archery at my shop is we make a huge effort. I say we, it's really me. It's just me and my daughter that work here, work there. And I do all the lessons and, and teaching myself. But I've taken it on myself to, to strike at the root of the problem or what I feel what the root of the problem is. That is teaching people how to shoot, teaching people how to tune, teaching people how to handle that pressure. Yep. Right? Through mental, mental exercises, focus, getting them into competitive archery so they can feel that pressure more, whatever it takes. But they got to step into those arenas where where that's there's a simulation of that pressure, yeah, right? Yep. But but teaching teaching them how to be a killer instead of selling them something that they think will make them a killer, right? Does that make sense? Yep. Nailed it. I don't think that the industry should be selling someone something that they say if you just use this, you can you can shoot through this bone or whatever, right? No, I think you should be teaching people to make a better decision in the woods and handle the pressure on the shot and, and, and look in the mirror and go, I'm the one doing this, not the stuff. Yeah. Yep. And then of course, making a good decision on product is okay. 
there's a lot of good product out there though. I think there's a lot of manufacturers that think they're the only one and that's not true. There's a lot of good products, right. a lot of good products, Love it. a lot of competition out there. Yep. Yeah. So for the better, for the better. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Let's dive in. Okay. What, where do you want to start? I want to start with the big kahuna. The, the big elephant in the archery room. The big elephant room. in the archery room. Okay? <laughs> okay. So, so out of these several hundred samples, we, I, we took all, I took all the wounds and then put a percentage on them. So we'll start with fixed blade broadheads versus mechanical and broadheads. And this is a wound and did not recover? Did not recover. Okay. This is an, an animal that was hit and was not recovered. Okay. Um, and this one kind of shocked me. I won't lie a little. It shocked me a little. So the wound rate on all of my data sets for mechanical broadheads was 12.3%. Okay. Mechanical broadheads, 12.3% wound rate. I think overall, that's a good wound rate. Like if we could keep bow hunters. Um, closer to 10. Than col closer to 10% overall. I don't care what's on the end of the arrow, but if we could keep it around 10%, I think that's a good number. 100 animals struck, 90 recovered. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, obviously, a hundred percent is always the goal. But yes. we're realist. We're being, if we're being realistic, yeah. it just, you know, deer drops the string, elk moves as you, you know, whatever. It, it's going to happen, right? right? You hit a branch, you just flat out didn't see what it. It's it, to be realistic or to to ask for a hundred percent. Unrealistic. You're, you're you're not in the conversation. No. To, to be realistic, yeah, that's a good. I think that's a good goal. Okay. So so when I when I pulled that number, I was like, I'm I'm good with that number. Okay. So then I went through all of those hundreds of samples again on the fixed blade wound rate, 23%. Double. Double on the, on the fixed blades. Why? Yeah, let's this talk the first, about that. First question I asked myself was, number one, I wasn't expecting that. And number two, why? And so as an archery shop owner, um, what I think it is, it's a, I think it's a couple of things. Number one, if you go back to the cold bow challenge, there's people out there that are in a hunting situation, ex making a bad decision, extending that range a little too far. A mechanical head, there's no, nobody can argue with me. If you just take them as far as you can take them until gravity works them to the ground, a mechanical broadhead is going to be more accurate. It's going to be more accurate in the wind, right? If it's coming off a bow that's torqued or, or ill-tuned, it's going to be better. No, okay? no regard to what, ha what the debate is after it enters. Just right. purely where it's going to impact, no question. Correct. A mechanical broadhead is going to yeah. hit its mark more yeah. consistently. So I, I feel like that's one of the things. And I think the other one is um, that I, I think that there's pressure from, from the industry and from social media influencers and people, YouTube, to let's just throw an elk out there. If you don't ever shoot an elk with a mechanical broadhead. Hmm. And so what happens is they don't understand the customers that are walking into my shop. And as you, you're going to be able to tell in the, the reflection of my voice, I'm getting tired of it, right? <laughs> because I'm, help, I'm the one helping these people. You're just out there collecting your follows. That's all you're doing, right? But you don't know your audience. You, you, you know, you're not in a pro shop 365 days a year. What I see is those guys coming in, hey, I, I need some broadheads. <clears throat> this could be a day before the season. It could be a week before the season. It could be three days before the season. It's pretty close to when the season's opening, right? And I ask them, you know, you, you want a fixed blade or a mechanical? Oh, I want a fixed blade. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been, I, everybody's told me not to shoot a mechanical head. And I don't argue with them because I don't want to be liable. I don't want to be responsible for, this, for the, the crap storm that's coming after the hunt, right? Uh -huh. So we have some really good fixed blade heads that our pro staff guys have shot at extreme distances for flight characteristic 
And those are the heads that I stock on my wall. And I'm not going to name any specific heads on this podcast at all, but we've tested them tried and true. Good blade thickness, good durability, American-made heads. So I say, here you go. And they walk out of my shop. <laughs> and four days later, they wound an elk with that because it didn't fly good out of their bow because their bow's not tuned. We live in a fast-paced world. This is 2024. These guys that are social media influencers, they don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it. These people are not prepared like you are. They're not doing it 24-7 like you are. Uh, they have real jobs, real families, right? And you've just convinced them to put something on the end of their arrow that probably in their specific setups not going to do a very good job in flight. Yeah, well, you come to the I told you, you come to the right place, right? Because this is, this is the voice of, of honesty and reality or whatever, right? Uh, the, the Huntian, basically, Love plat, platform that, that's, you know, going to start gaining some traction. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll reiterate that because I've been there. If you have a sponsorship or a vested interest or uh, a, a platform that you make, directly make money off of, right? Yep. You do not, I don't care what you tell me. Even if it's true, even if it's true and it's the right answer, you do not have the best interest of the general public, blue collar, random, or whatever you want to say, archer or right. hunter in general that's, that's out there. You just, you don't. And, and yeah. it, again, it's not that you're wrong, but you're, you don't, you don't have their best interest. You have another vested interest, right? That's why sure this thing. whole thing started. So absolutely, yeah, you, you've come to the right place. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. If we put, if we put the amount of energy and I don't know how this even happens and I'm probably not the guy to start it, but if we put the, the, the energy and time into teaching every bow hunter, everything they need to do to shoot accurately and perfectly under pressure how to tune their bows. And I understand social media influencers are going to say, I, we do that. No, you don't. Yeah. You do it very indirectly. I'm talking about one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, good instruction, right to the individual from somebody, right? Right. That if we could put as much time into doing that as we do trying to push a product on somebody and tell them it can shoot through a, the, the T of a scapula. Uh, wow. Right. No matter what they do, if we put that same energy into that, oh. We'd that be better off. One sec. Extremely loud podcast. announcements. You can sign up at the Mule Deer Foundation booth. Booth number 16005. Cut off is at 12 o'clock. The PA is so loud this year. Right at 12. So if you want to sign up for the Elm Contest, following contest, come on over to the Mule Deer Foundation booth. Booth 16005. <laughs> Contestants. Oh. You're going to be in room 151, <laughs> and you need to be there by 1245. All right. Okay. Let, um, that, let that go by. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it has to fall on the archer, right? Yeah. That's the punchline is it has to fall on the individual. You have to have self-awareness as a very rare thing. It's right. becoming more rare every day that goes by. I feel like, yes. you know, we can just, we can jump into our little digital worlds and kind of make up this persona of whoever we think we are or want to be, or want the work. We can make it, we can be perceived however we want in these little social media platforms, right? It's real easy 
people do it all the time, right? It's why there's such a, a terrible stigma around hunt, you know, hunting influencer or huntress because they can just kind of become whatever they think they want to become, right? And so, yeah. so self-awareness is a big problem. You have to have the self-awareness and, and the only way you're going to get it is either time in the field, messing up a shot or whatever, or, you know, the cold bow challenges or the, you know, just being in a shooting league, you know, at the expert archery shop or whatever, right. where you, you really, okay, let me be honest with, have honest minute for a second with myself. Like I'm in over my head and I, I actually don't have the mental capacity to execute a shot on a screaming six by six bull elk that's coming in ready to kill you right? He thinks. Yeah. And you're just going to stand there composed, right? You can't even do it in your yard in July, right? With the, with, <laughs> That's a, right. with a stupid camera that no one's even actually like, <laughs> That's get, right. get real, right? Yeah, so you got it. it has to fall. That has to fall on the bow hunter themselves to take the, you know, it, it can't, we definitely can't rely on an influencer. Right. Right. It's, it's, right. we can ask them and we can, we can summon them to say, Hey, do better. But at the end of the day, like it has to fall on the individual. Sure thing. Yeah. Right. Because it's all, yeah. it's the only thing you have is your own head and yourself and your own self-awareness. You, yeah. You got it. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like sometimes I'm out on this little Island all alone. Right. And I'm helping all these individuals and I, and I will toot my own horn right now. I've helped a lot of individuals overcome target panic, shoot better, getting them into competitive situations where they can start to handle the pressure, you know, run that mantra through the shot process. You know, don't let any of that negative sp space, you know, or, or don't yeah. create negative space can be filled by negativity. All these things that we teach, and that's just the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. But I feel like I'm on this island, right? And then there's people yell, I'm doing all the work in my shop, helping these individuals, not masses of people that are listening to me because I'm not, I don't have any social media platform, but I'm helping them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And there's people yelling at me from, you know, over the moat. <laughs> Sell him a fixed blade. <laughs> so, yeah. Up his poundage. <laughs> Make his arrow heavier. Yeah. Right? And it's like, you guys over there on the other side of the moat, you have, these guys, they listen to you, but you have no idea what they're going through. Yeah. You don't. You just don't. Unless yep. they're coming to you as a one-on-one -on -one individual, right? So all that's why all this, I started doing all this. Yeah. Right? So, so, so that was the first data set, which was semi-shocking to me du i'll be honest double is it's significant right i yeah. it's almost not up for interpretation it's something's going on there i got yeah absolutely. whether you're 100 percent right or not yeah. about the reason why something's going on there and yes. it's, it's worth everyone at least thinking that through right and I, yeah. I i think you are right but whether you are or aren't it's like the just the the mm -hmm. twice as much percent over hundreds of examples of bow hunters like Yes. Uh, something, something's yeah. different there. Yeah. That, that's a distinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and let me make it clear. I don't think it's the stuff. I don't think it's the fixed blade head. I just went through the reasons why I think it is right. The lack of preparation, the lack of the lack of preparation. And then I think the decision making, you know, that all of a sudden they feel they got this kind of invincible feeling on the end of their arrow and they feel like they can do things that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. We need to back that off and still make the right decisions. Yep. In okay. my IMO. Love okay. it. All right. What else let's, you got? All right. Let's, let's go to another big one. Oh, by the way, um, before I move on, of all the samples, 45% of the whole sample was fixed blade and 55% of the whole sample was mechanical. 
Okay. So, and so the sample size was smaller in the fixed blade by 10%, but it was, but the wound weight was, was greater at the same but, time. But still hundreds, still hundreds, hundreds. of both, yeah, hundreds. Of both categories. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, so yeah. So out of every hundred samples, 55 were, were mechanical yeah. and 45 were fixed. Yeah. And so it's not, that ain't very far apart, but we don't, I don't push mechanical heads. Whenever somebody comes in and says, what heads should I shoot? You know what I tell them? A mechanical. I, I, I look at them and I go, what church should I go to? <laughs> what political, what, how should I, who should I vote for? Yeah. And they look at me and they laugh because they know what I'm, what I'm driving it's at. It's not your place to tell it's them. It's not my place to tell them. So when you make a decision, I'm going to show you some good American-made products that will fit both categories. And I'm going <laughs> to let you and your buddies make that call. And I've been doing that for this five years and, and, and earlier because I got so tired of it being my fault. Yep. <laughs> tired of it. And so I don't push fic, uh, mechanical heads on people. When they come in, 55% of them buy mechanical and 45% buy fixed. Interesting. Now, there's probably people in my area that participated without knowing in the sample that didn't buy broadheads from me. So there's probably other fixed blades out there that they bought online or right. mechanicals from Walmart. Who knows, right? So th those are not all purchased from me, but of the sample size, that's the number breakdown, just so you know. But regardless. Regardless. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let's go to, uh, let's just go to the back, which I think are the, some of the cooler. I want to talk about this one because you're going to like this. Okay. okay. What I did was I and took. And this is all, at this point, this is all new. I have only seen the mechanical fix, so yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. You're going to really like this, and this will spark a really cool discussion. I did wound rates. And this is all broadheads. This, this is not uh, specific to mechanical or fixed. This is all broadheads. This is all sample. Okay. okay. I wanted to know if there was a correlation with yardage wound rate. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to read these off and then we'll have to probably go back so you can, you can catch it. Zero to 30 yards of all the samples. Any animals? Any animals. Okay. This was not animal specific. Any pronghorn to elk. Pronghorn to elk. Okay. Moose. Moose, everything. Zero to 30 yards, wound rate was 20%. Okay. That seems 30. high. That seems high. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and, again, and we're going to talk about this afterward. And again, preface, wound is un unrecovered. unrecovered. Okay. An animal that was hit with an arrow not that was like, not recovered. Not like, oh, I gut shot him and let him sit overnight and he was no. wounded and then I found no. him. This is completely. These are completely unrecovered animals. Okay. Okay. So zero to 30, 20%. 30 to 40, 24%. 40 to 50, 24%. This is the one you're going to like. 50 to 60, 6%. Substantial drop. 60 to 70, back up to 32%. Hmm. 70 to 80, 8%. 80 to 90, 13%. 90 to 100 and 100% 0%. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? Um, I almost can discount 100 plus, 90 to 100. 80 to 90 and 70 to 80, because what I think happens is the only data entry that I get are the guys that come in bragging about shooting that far and retrieving their animal. I honestly believe that, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. think people are coming, going to come into my shop and say, I shot an animal at 120 and I didn't recover. And I didn't get him. That's off limits. So when I saw those zero percents, as I was going through the stats, I'm like, okay. Outliers. We, those are outliers. Okay. So, but from, from, from 70 and in, that's what I want to talk about. So, so let me go through them again. Zero to 30, 20%, 30 to 40, 24%, 40 to 50, 24%, 50 to 60, 6%. 6 
60 to 70, 32%. Everything's fairly equal except for that 50 to 60 yard shot. And I want to tell you why I think that is. And I think if Randy Omer was to listen to this, he would agree because he's I, preached heard, this for a long I've time. I've heard this out of his mouth okay. more than once. And I've talked to Omni behind me about this. He threw some two cents worth. I'm going to add that to this podcast. But the, 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 the 50 to 60 range is a range where most all animals, most all the time, stand there and take it. Yeah. Okay. You're not, you're not getting jump from arrow noise, bow, maybe some arrow noise, but from bow noise. You're not in their bubble. They're not high strung. Right, they're not going to lower to leave and react. They're not going to will to leave and react. Um, where the archer's concerned, more people probably practice more shots over a year with if they have a five pin sight, whether it's fixed or a dialer. Right, at Get, that distance. Guess where? Guess where my tell me where you, Guess where my slider's at right now? Yep, 60. 60 yards. <laughs> and I just sit and pound it at 60. Isn't that 60, interesting? 60, 60, Isn't that interesting? Because it's like, you know, at 90. That's what, that's what Omni said. Yeah, yeah. That's why I practice the most. Yeah. At 90, it's like, um, you know, I don't like, it's pushing it, right? Like, you know, and, and like 40s boring, but like 60s kind of that, like, you know, it's kind of my max effective range anyway. And there you so, go. Yeah, yeah, I'm that guy. You're, you're practicing that max effective range, trying to extend it. But you find yourself using your bottom pin in practice a lot if you're a five-pin guy or a five-pin slider. Or even if you're a slider guy that's got less pins. That just seems to be a yardage where yep. a lot of people are trying to get past. Yeah. Right? And so I think that you have that aspect of it, a lot of practice there. And then I think you have the aspect of, hey, this is a 60-yard shot. And I think there's added focus to that shot because it's farther. I think there's more pressure on inside of that shot. It's like, like you get a 200-inch a, a mule, a mule deer at 30 yards. And you're going to know immediately without wanting to know it, but inside you're going to know, I have to make this shot. Nobody misses this shot. Nobody. And that pressure and that blood pressure elevate, elevates, right? On I think the there's close, more pressure. On the closer I shot. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I think on 60, you take your time. You don't rush the shot. You're more, more focused. You've already practiced that all year long, mostly. Right. And then the animal and then the animal doesn't react to bow noise and it's outside their bubble. Let me give you a different perspective of what I was just thinking. Is I was thinking, hey, this is a 60 yard shot. Like if I'm gonna execute this, because for a lot of guys, that's that's the threshold, right? Like like beyond 50, I feel like is the threshold of a far shot, air quotes, right? Gotcha. That's a far shot. And, and so they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to take the eighties and nineties. Most, most guys, right. That's getting yep. too close to a hundred, right? Yes. But 60 to 70 or whatever, right. Was it right at. So discounting it was from here down, 50, discounting from here 50 down to 60. Yeah. 50 to 60. Perfect. Right. And, and yep. maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But to me, I heard, man, that's like that, that it's a far shot and I better mind my P's and Q's. You got it. To execute this. Right. And then, like you said, they get lackadaisical almost inside of, you know, at, at 30, they're like, well, no, I'm not going to miss anyway. And they're, they're, at, they're not focused on the right things maybe, but at 60, they're like, okay, okay. If I'm going to pull up and draw back here, because this is as close as I can get, I better, everything's got to be perfect. I've got to mind my P's and Q's on this shot. Yep. Yeah. I bet the average guy that participates in that cold bow challenge, we need to ask Robbie. If there's any way we can get stats on this, but I bet that their shot distances are in that window. He's he's rattled it off. I know it is. I know it's in yeah. that fifty to sixty-five ish. Yeah. It's where everybody's practicing. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Hmm. 
So, so that was one of what I feel was a, one of the coolest data that I extracted from this study. You know and, what I mean? And I still think where you started, you know, again, Omer probably killed more big bucks, especially than most guys yep. combined with his bow. And he, he swears by that. He, he, he will stop stalking a deer around 60, right? You got 50 or, or yeah, I think he put the number of 40, but I, I believe that, you know, if a guy like him, if he's 50 to 60 yards, that's, that's, that's right. a he, money spot. He's like 40 to 60 is like his yeah. window, right? That, his window. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. That's he don't like to get inside that bubble to, yeah. to where, and I, and I agree with this a hundred percent. I think Omni Westwood too, Mark Smith, all of them. Like when you're getting that close, you're, you're running a higher risk of blowing the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Well, and just, so, and even, sound, smell, yeah, whatever. even if you don't drop in the string, right. right. That's, that's the whole premise of Ulmer's theory. There is, is you got it. anytime he's gotten inside of that poor shot because of the thing outside of your, uh, you know, I mean, Ulmer's, Ulmer's the, the, he's the poster child of mental, you know, he, I mean, right. We're talking about Absolutely. The, best, the literal best of the best. So he, he's not, it's, this isn't, he's not getting flustered because he's inside of 30 or whatever. Yeah. He's, uh, if he hits a buck high in the spine or something or in the backstrap, it's cause he dropped the string right, right. at 30. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So it, a little side note, I know we, we gotta be hurt. We gotta hurry, but, um, one of the things I love about Omer is he's bucked the system. What I mean by that is nobody can look at Omer and go, yeah, you've, you've killed a lot of big elk and deer and stuff, but you never won Vegas. Oh uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, well, I forgot about that. Yeah, but you're not, you haven't won 3D ASA and IBO Worlds. Oh uh, yeah, I've done that too. I bet, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, but yeah, but you haven't won the indoor nationals like NFAA or out in NFA outdoor. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah. Like, you know how people, you yeah. know how people want to, they want to belittle what you've done by, yeah. by pretending that you can't do something else. Yeah. And Omer has done all of that. Yeah. But, but you're hunting on, you know, the, these private ranches where the deer, right. We, we know, <laughs> we know those guys, right. right. Hey, Omer, but, but you're hunting on uh private ranches where uh, the nope. deer, no, you're not. He's hunting the Colorado public backcountry, right? He's, he's just, got like, is really I, hard I, to I, argue I, against. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but I love that guy yeah. because he's the guy that bucks all of that. He's, right? a, he's a real one. He's a real one. Yeah. Oh, here Time we out. go. Here we yeah. go again. Let's look at your next ones. What do you got? This will be good. That one we're done with. We need to do these two. Yeah. We got, we got a solid 20 minutes. So okay, we're, cool. Yeah, okay. we're good. All right. So, uh, so again, not specific to uh, fixed blade or mechanical, just all wounds of all types. Okay. Let's talk about uh, wound rate comparison by bow poundage. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what I did with that, I thought it was prudent to do 40 to 60. So we're talking about light poundage bows, 60 and under basically. Because if it was a 36 pound bow, I just added it in that category. Yeah. So I probably just put a, we'll call it zero to 60. Okay. And then 60 to 70. And then 70 to 80 plus. Okay. Um, so wound rate, 40 to 60 pounds, 16%. 60 to 70, 17%. 70 to 80 plus, 19%. The same, pretty much. Pretty much the same. Yeah. And so when I, when I, when I was set out to do this study, that's the kind of numbers of across the board, I was thinking I was going to find. Right. And so that, that was pretty even, um, the sample sizes on it, I counted them, but I don't have the exact numbers here, but the sample sizes were almost dead, even believe it or not, all the way across that. 
you would think that like 60 to 70 would be the largest sample size. Mm-hmm. And it might have been, but it was, it was not even worth talking about. Okay. But if you want to crunch the exact numbers, there were slightly more animals wounded with 70 to 80 pound plus bows. Yeah, technically. Technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With even sample sizes. Let's talk about that just for a second. Um, I think that is also giving, there's two things that work there. I think people get overbowed. And so when you talk about archery from a target standpoint, when you teach someone how to shoot, you set your form, you set your shoulder, and then you, with relaxed muscle groups, you row the bow back over the top with your rhomboid muscle. That's the muscle that allows the movement to draw your bow. Everything else is, there's no tension, no stress, no pressure on it. And your bone structure is set so that your sight pin doesn't move as much when you aim it. That's critical because it's going to move a little more when the pressure hits. Okay. So we want to minimize that as much as possible so that when the pressure hits, it's still manageable. And I think people get overbowed and they can't hold their bow steady enough when they're shooting. All of that is magnified the higher your poundage is. Yep. Right? It's just a yep. fact, right? It, a that's, fact. That's science. You, if, if you've got you know, if we have the same let off, if we've got an 80% let off bow and you're holding 80 pounds compared to 65, it's going to be magnified because you're holding a little bit more weight back. You got it. Yep. There are, a, there's, I believe, a small exception to that rule where we got some hulks, man, that can just simply do it the right way. Yeah. But over the whole sample size, I think you still have people that are subscribing to the, if I just shoot more poundage. That'll fix everything. That'll fix everything. Yep. Yeah. And I disagree with that. Yeah. You still got to make good decisions. The, um, the other thing is, is I think then you have that, that, um, well, I, well, I just, I guess I just said it, you have that kind of sense of invincibility, you know, uh, combined with urgency into the hunt elks quartering to you. Somebody on the internet said, if you're shooting that much weight in that head, you can run it through the scat T of the scapula, whatever. Right. Yeah. You might not have the shooting ability to do that. So you may end up gut shooting them farther back right through the paunch with a fixed blade head not finding them right so, so there's shooting ability there but i think that feeling of invincibility and the urgency to fill the tag maybe even i hate to say it but possibly throw a picture up on social media <laughs> all of a sudden you've created a wounded animal and, and but you, that poundage is kind of at the root of that decision making right does that make sense yep it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like rifle calibers or whatever and we don't need to go there but so you would agree though that all things being equal in other words perfectly executed shots out of perfectly tuned bows a higher poundage bow has a better chance of you know pass through killing killing something than a 60 pound bow you're not going to like this but no i disagree okay let's talk <laughs> okay so an arrow an arrow kills an animal by cutting by cutting by him it causes hemorrhaging so I would put the sharpness of the instrument over all of it if everything was it was equal, right? Okay, over but, the poundage but, and everything. But, but wherever know, poundage go, comes down on the I'm list. Gonna, I'm going to go back. So I'm going to go okay. back. So I used to love it when my brother would have these discussions in the archery shop. It may be one of the reasons why he's not in the archery shop anymore because he couldn't handle <laughs> it anymore, right? But someone would come in and say, I got a problem. What happened? Well, I didn't get a pass around my elk. You wounded your elk? No, I, I killed the elk. Um... What happened? Well, I just didn't go through them. You know, I'm like, well, how far did the elk go? 40 yards. Did you see it fall over? Yeah, mostly. I heard it crash, right? Okay. So you killed the elk. Um, it was dead. And then he would look at him and go, there's only one level of dead. If the arrow went all the way through, it's not deader. 
Well, so, so but so if, if you, the arrow went through all things being equal, yeah. Again, that's I'm I'm play, making play a devil's lot, advocate for me. I'm making a lot of assumptions here. Yeah. That every single other thing is equal, yep, right? Yep, yep. And if every other single thing is equal, yep. Um if every other single thing is equal, then whether that broadhead sticks in the offside shoulder or passes through because it's an 80 pound bow, that's better. Blood trail, two, two drops of blood instead of one, Duggar. Again, I'm saying all things being equal. Yeah, I agree. I know. I see what you're saying, but I, but the elk's still dead in 40 yards. You watched him fall over. I understand. Decision making. It, it's, it's so, not, so I'm not discrediting a 60 pound bow's ability to kill yeah that's where you're going right? right well yeah well is hold on because because it it it, it literally is just cutting and so mm-hmm. if my 80 pound bow and it will this is science right yeah my 80 pound bow will out penetrate again all things equal yeah big assumption here right all things equal my 80 pound bow is going to out penetrate and cut a tiny bit more and and you don't know maybe that is the difference of going one inch further and hitting an artery or not or so, whatever. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is anywhere in the animal. Yeah. Or even the same place, right? Well, if the same place is the right place, then no, it doesn't matter. I, I, okay. We're, <laughs> okay. We're, and, and we're, it, it wouldn't we're, matter if it went all the way through yeah, or you're not. Right, you're the right. The damage and, is done. You're right. And I'm right. Yes. You're, you're yes. right. And I'm right. Yeah, yeah. I know where you're driving. Okay. If a guy can. <laughs> If a guy can comfortably and, and perfectly shoot 80 pounds, I say do that. And that was, but I, but I also say don't let that make you make a bad decision. And that was the only place I was going with this is I was going to yeah. ask you, okay, when is it okay for a guy to shoot 80 pounds? In other, what what boxes does he have to check? And mm-hmm. uh, let me give you a for instance, right? Yeah. Like I know a guy who who is a big you know insta famous, and he shoots a 90 pound bow that he has right. to have, right? Sure. And his it's like if you can't draw that bow seated from your butt yes without and and drawing it's one thing we we went what i think is even more responsibly a couple steps further and talked about actually executing a shot yes because pulling a bow back even if you're pulling it back but 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 again let's what criteria does a guy need or a hunter bow hunter need to have to be to say yep you're the guy that 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 it's okay to shoot an 80 pound bow and you're not right. Well, so I would never say okay or not. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's a decision that for the individual, but going back to how you draw the bow, I was talking about that earlier. That's the first you need, thing you, yeah, you need to be able to, to know how to draw that bow and make that pin sit very still on your target under pressure and make the right shot with the right decision. If somebody at 55 pounds can make a better decision than you and shoot then, better than you with a sharper instrument on the end yeah. of their arrow, then who cares what the poundage then who, was? Then who cares? Yeah. And it, it used to be, well, because yeah. you, you grew up probably right in the heat of this era. It used to be, well, I need to zip this arrow because my freaking I don't have a range finder. Yes. And if different. I do, it sucks. The whole, this is in long range shooting. The whole game has changed, right? Yes, sir. I work for a company that runs barrels that are 18s and 20s, and people lose their freaking mind because they don't know why. And I say, let's talk about it. And at the end, they realize that it doesn't matter for a couple of reasons. One, the and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw this right back to archery. The, the bullet ballistic coefficients of the bullets have, com- the, the pendulum has shifted 180 degrees. When certain rifle companies were were created they were built around the fact that bullets sucked 
the ballistic coefficients of bullets sucked. And I would relate that to the the quality of broadheads, right? Basically. Yes. It used to be that broadheads sucked. Now, and and we had no rangefinders. Now, whether it's long range shooting or archery shooting, we have like within a point, I get I get a literal decimal point on my on my rangefinder, right. and I don't even have a yeah I can't even dial to a decimal point on my on my dial. So, who gives a crap, really, if your arrow's going two hundred and sixty feet a second, or if it's going two eighty or three hundred? Right. In fact. What you're saying is like there's an advantage to the guy who's only shooting 65 pounds because l- l- let me be a devil's advocate to my yes. own argument. Okay. All things equal, if a guy shoots an 80 pound bow excellently, he's going to shoot a 65 pound bow more excellently. <laughs> yeah, probably. am I wrong? No, you're spot right? on. And so, you're spot on. and so, if all the other things can be yeah. can be sufficed, right? If we, if the rangefinder can can take care of the difference in the thing and the and the quality of broadheads. You know, and and all everything else can be checked off. Then maybe I'm the guy with egg on my face, right? Why do I need to shoot an 80 pound bow if I could shoot a 65 pound bow better? Better. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So so if we were having this discussion a long time ago before rangefinders, I would say if you can keep your form, hold your pin steady with 80 pounds, you're well off because you're going to have to judge the yardage. So if you misjudge the yardage, there's a really good reason to shoot an 80 pound exactly. bow. Exactly. But but those reasons are all gone, and also are gone the excuses of I have this incredible piece of 2023 equipment and arrows that are unbelievable and release aids that are unbelievable and arrows that are unbelievable and you still can't get it done. Which like, brings us full circle to the whole, the whole premise of this. Your whole thesis is maybe it's not the equipment. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I would take like, if I, how much we get, we got nine minutes. Okay. Yeah, we're good. I, it, it, let's just say I was an outfitter and, and I had two, I had two clients that I could choose from. I had Randy Ulmer shooting a 55 pound bow with a mechanical head. And I had Mr. X shooting an 80 pound bow with a fixed blade head of any sort. But I knew that Mr. X couldn't shoot under pressure. I watched his groups in camp and they were a little bit, eh, right. I watched him draw his bow in his form, right. I'm taking the lighter poundage. And I'm taking the mechanical head in the killer's hands every single time. No brainer when you it's put it no like bra- that. It's a no brainer. But that's like the I'm point. taking yeah. that guy, right? Yeah. If I was betting in Vegas, I'm betting on that guy. And that guy might not even get a pass through. But there's going to be a dead animal at, a sh- at the end of a short blood trail because that guy knows that sharpness matters. It only has to go in 18 inches. Yeah. Like, right? I mean, so it doesn't have to pass through, right? It doesn't have to go through the T of the scapula. Why are we even talking about that stuff? Please let's help people make better decisions when they shoot at animals. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm at. That's what I'm after. Yeah. Right. One more stat. One more. Let's Love do it. one more before we wrap it up here. I should. I want to say this before we do the last stat. I'm going to make it fast. Something that just just irks me. Right. I had an outfitter come in my shop. Nobody comes in my camp with mechanical heads. Nobody. And he rants and raves for five minutes. The next ten minutes, he tells me that his clients hit twenty bulls and only recovered ten of them. Hold on. Without even, okay. So, so outfitter, outfitter X comes in, says, I do not allow mechanical heads in my camp. Is We're just in, having a, just a random discussion. Shop? He's in my shop. Okay. Just a random okay. discussion. Okay. Okay. He's coming in to rant and rave about how hunters These are his out. words. Okay. These are his words, okay, right? go ahead. And so I don't allow that crap in my camp, right? And then within just a few minutes later, he's telling me how mad he is about his hunters wounding 10 bulls, <laughs> 10. And I'm not making these numbers up. This is verbatim, okay? 
He doesn't even know that what's coming out of his mouth and into my ear is that you just told me you went to 10 bulls with fixed blade heads. And my question to you is, why are you okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> why is it okay that you wounded bulls with a fixed blade head, but it's not okay if you wound them with a mechanical? Okay, and that's all I'm going to say about that. That's how our world is right now, and I'm just tired of it. I'm sick of it. Yeah, and again, you're not, you're not even going into, you're not saying anything about the actual root of, like, it's, it's the shooters. The, 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 the root, we know and, what the root of the yada, problem yada, yada. was. Yeah, yeah you're, you're just saying it's ironic that a guy's okay with that as long as it's fixed blade broadheads, right? Right. Th this is, Ducker, again, yes. because yes. I'm in the, in, the, in the rifle world, this is the same crap that comes out of the, the rifle world is it's okay if you, if you don't understand wind and you rip one off at 400 without your long quote air quote long range rifle right because you don't have a turreted scope but you're you know you're zeroed at 300 or whatever you're zeroed at 200 and you rip one at 400 and you wound him or you miss that's okay because you're you're right. not long range shooting you're just you know but as soon as i shoot one at 600 and miss my wind call shame on long range shooting that's right exactly like, what i'm yeah, saying yeah why do you, why do you, how can you even have that kind of view? It's really weird to me that someone have that view. Okay. Okay. Let's get this last one. Um, this is wound rate for all fixed blade and mechanicals by arrow weight, <laughs> by arrow weight. Okay. So I did 300 to 400, which is light. I let, did. Let, let me, let me do, I'm just, let's do this different. I'm going to make my assumption. Awesome. So what, g give me the categories. I'm going to give then... you the categories. Okay. Uh, wound rate, 300 to 400 grain arrows. Then I, I went 100 grains there because that's basically light. And then, then I went 50 grains at a time, 400 right. to 450, 450 to 500, and 500 plus. I'm just going to give the one that I think has the highest wound rate. Okay. And I know you're going to trap me with this because every one of these has been a little bit eye-opening. Yeah. But the, the, the general consensus across the archery influencer blah 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 like you know the social media would be that the three what'd you say 300 to 300 to 400 what that would hands down be the highest wound rate because lack of penetration that i'm just given the i know that's i guarantee that's not what the data shows right but that's probably what the the general public would answer yep okay go ahead okay so you want me to tell you the numbers yep. now yep. okay so 300 to 400 grain arrows 13 percent wound rate okay 400 to 450, 12% wound rate. Same. 450 to 500, 23% wound rate. Whoa. 500 plus, 42% wound rate. Ooh. Okay. What do you, why? Okay. So I think it also goes back to the invincible mentality. I'm just going to, I'm going to quote, I'm going to coin that phrase, right? In, in archery right now today, the invincible mentality. I'm shooting a 500 plus grain arrow and everybody told me that that's good, right? One quick example. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna do it fast. This happened to a guy. Cows come out at 30 yards, ranged them, did everything right. Bull comes out in the same opening, shoots it in the brisket with almost 600 grain arrow. Bull came out 37 yards. Archer couldn't tell that there was a seven yard difference. And why in the world would the bull come out on a different trail? Yeah. That seven yards, that 600 grain arrow created a wound, right? And that's and that's in this sample size. Okay. Now. People argue it can go other ways too. I get that. You can argue it. I'm just throwing out one reason why maybe that number's high. There's an invincible, and I think then this shot angle and stuff like that. Now, I think that the, the 450 to uh, 500 
sample. So let me, I did the sample sizes. The largest sample size was 400 to 450. That's what almost everybody's shooting, right? And that was a 12% wound rate. I can live with that. I think that's good. But the second largest sample size was 300 to 400 grain arrows out of all those hundreds of samples. And still the same. And it's 13%. What percentage of the samples was the heavier that was the highest? The highest one was the smallest sample size with the largest wound rate. So how, so could how be. small? Yeah, so I don't have those exact numbers, yeah. but it, was, it, it would be fairly small because 500 plus, where you're having a lot of people preach 450, that's what a lot of people yeah. do, and you still have some outliers, right? And so if that, well, it was a big enough sample size to matter, but if that sample was, Cause if it was three, 40, if, 40 guys shot and 42% of those wounded, and it was only 40 guys and 20 guys wounded, okay, not a big deal, right? right. I mean, because right. it depends on who's firing the arrow, and that's exactly the point I'm trying to drive in, yeah. right? So if you, took, if you took a really poor shot and gave them a 300 to 400 grain arrow, you took 50 of those guys, the wound rate's going to go up. Right. And if you take the bad A, Billy Bad A's, and you give them all a 500 grain arrow and you make them hunt with it, they'll figure it out and the wound rate's going to go down. Right. It's the, it's the guy behind the bow. Guy behind the guy, bow. It's the gal behind the bow. What else? Anything? Two, couple I have, minutes here. Anything? I have a lot more stats and maybe we go into that later, but well, I think we've, we're, we've hit the highlights and we'll just the surprises to me. And then also what I feel like solidified kind of my opinion on everything, you know? This would be an awesome one to do a Q&A. Okay you know, a uh, uh, throw out to the public Q and a slash we'll do like a part one with this, just a real good introduction here. I like it. That's going to shake probably some people up. Oh and, yeah. It's good. It'll fire people up. Yeah, it'll fire people up. And that's, that's good. Right. We're again, yep. family council here, right? Let's talk about, right. um, you know, let's, let's, let's just circle the wagons internally and talk about some stuff and sure. And, and if, if please, if someone has other data that's that's as relevant right and again i don't want to hear about your right. my uncle's cousin's brother one time give me right? a lot of samples give us some data right give us some yeah, give this me is, 500 plus yeah yeah this is the yeah. real deal of like hey this is this is worthwhile data so. yes and i wouldn't want i wouldn't want a 500 sample set and 342 of them are aaron snyder <laughs> and the other ones are his buddy right yeah because they're gonna they're killers yeah like that, those, those sample sizes are gonna yeah. be high no matter what they shoot yeah. Real but deal, I, blue real collar. Deal. Right. We got real deal. These are real yeah. individuals, hardworking individuals. Yep. And I just want, right before we close, I want the world to know that I don't care. I don't care what you shoot. Please help people shoot better. And please, please think about what you're telling people to do without even knowing yep. what, what's going to go on. Right. Yep. That's but, really the, the message I want to get out. It's like we said, man, I, I hope that, um, and I know this is what you want. I, I hope that this uh, just brings a little self-awareness to your individual setup your individual mindset, your individual abilities, your individual execution, because it's all we, it's the only chance that we have is to just each individual, it's just like anything in life. We each have to individually decide to change or be better or do something or get to training or whatever. Yes. Okay. Come in, brother. Thanks, Duggar. 16 seconds left. Can you all right, that? <laughs> Good job. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.